Good evening and welcome back to Mystery, Murder, and Mayhem for episode 108. I hope that your summer is starting off good and I hope that you're staying cool because it's been crazy hot here in the south the last few days. Now I do want to take a minute to apologize once again for my absence over the past two weeks but I could not talk literally. I did some deep cleaning with bleach and I guess I either used too much or the area just wasn't ventilated enough or maybe both but it made my throat and sinuses so raw that I literally couldn't talk at all until the late 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 last week so I've just been kind of resting my voice and you know doing some other things that I've needed to do but anyway tonight's episode takes place back in the 1960s in Mississippi during the civil rights movement and this is a very sad story, but the victim's stories need to be told, like I always say. And at the end of the episode, I have some very exciting news, so stick around. In the spring of 1964, the Ku Klux Klan was very active, especially in the Mississippi area. In an effort to show just what they were capable of, they staged 61 simultaneous cross burnings throughout the state in April. Well, what were they so mad at? Well, you know, basically we know what their cause was, but at this particular moment, they were preparing to use violence to fight the civil rights movement. And they had the large numbers to do such a thing because their membership was growing by leaps and bounds. And at that point, they had a membership of somewhere around 10,000 members. Well, at that same time, two young men named Mickey Schwerner and James Cheney worked for CORE. And CORE stood for Congress of Racial Equality. And that was in Meridian, Mississippi. Another young man named Andrew Goodman was doing volunteer work for voter registration, education, and civil rights as part of the 1964 Mississippi Summer Project. And I'm sure that project was just really pissing the Klan off because over the course of that summer, they burned 20 black churches in Mississippi. And on June 16th, they targeted the members of the Mount Zion Baptist Church, was it, and that was a church that Mickey Schwerner had attended. Now, before they burned the church, members of the Klan had severely beaten several members of the church who had been there for a meeting, but Schwerner just didn't happen to be there that time because he was in Ohio training a group of Freedom Summer volunteers. Now, when he came back into Mississippi, he, along with Cheney and Goodman, went to the remains just to take a look, you know, where they had burned down Zion Baptist. And while they were on their way back to Meridian in a vehicle that was owned by CORE, they were pulled over and arrested by police. Now, Cheney had been the one driving, and they charged him with speeding, while Schwerner and Goodman were held for investigation. And that was around 4 p.m. in the afternoon. Now, the fines were posted there in the jailhouse on the wall for everybody to see, but Deputy Cecil Price, who happened to be the arresting officer, told the three young men that they would have to remain in jail until the Justice of the Peace got there and he could process their fines. 
Well, Swerner asked Price if he could make a phone call, but Price denied that privilege to him, and then he left the jail. Well, back in Meridian, the core staff, they started getting nervous because the three young men hadn't returned. So they started calling area jails and police stations to see if the young men had been arrested. The jailer's wife, Minnie Heron, she said that no phone call had came in, but an entry in the logbook that was owned by CORE showed that a phone call had been placed to the jail on June 21st at 5.30. And it seems like Miss Heron and Deputy Price and others, they had something to hide, don't it? Well, they did, because around 10 p.m. that night, Price came back to the jail, collected the fine from Cheney without ever having the justice of the peace come in and you know like i said he was supposed to be coming well after he collected that fine deputy price let the three young men go and he told them to get out of the county well they were never seen or heard from again the following day agents from the new orleans fbi office showed up and started a kidnapping investigation and over the following days, somewhere around 200 FBI agents would show up to help with the investigation efforts. It wouldn't be long, though, before they had a big piece of evidence in the men's disappearances. The vehicle they had been traveling in was found still smoldering, apparently in an attempt to destroy evidence. And it was at this point that the investigation became an effort to locate the men's bodies. Well, across the country, this case was drawing a lot of attention because both Schwerner and Goodman were white northern men. And it's truly sad that this was why the case was getting so much attention, but then again, that's why they were fighting the civil rights fight. Soon June became July, and investigators spent a lot of time combing the fields, the woods, rivers, and swamps all around Mississippi. During those searches, a total of eight African-American men's remains were found. Two were identified as Henry D. and Charles Moore, who were college students that had been kidnapped, beaten, and murdered in May of 1964. Another of the remains was wearing a core t-shirt, but as far as the other five, nothing much was ever released about them. Well, after six weeks of searching for Schwerner, Cheney, and Goodman, a tip came in from an informant who was later identified as Highway Patrol Officer Maynard King. That tip sent investigators to the Old Jolly Farm right outside Philadelphia, Mississippi, and it was there that the FBI found the buried bodies of the three young men. Soon summer became fall, and the investigation continued because they had their victims, but they didn't have their why or who in the case. At this point, it was only the FBI pursuing this case because local and state authorities said they didn't have enough evidence to keep going with it. Right. Anyway, adding to this frustration was the fact that while kidnapping was a federal charge, murder was not, and murder was a charge that would have to be brought by the state authorities, and like I said, they weren't pursuing it. So instead, on December the 4th, the Justice Department charged 21 men with conspiring to violate Schwerner, Cheney, and Goodman's civil rights. Now, the prosecutors in the case brought the charges before the federal grand jury, and 18 men were indicted in January of 1965. But get this, y'all. 
the following month, the presiding judge, who was William Harold Cox, dismissed the charges against most of the men because he said that the law they were being charged under applied only to members of law enforcement, and in this case, it was good old Deputy Price, the sheriff and a patrolman. Now, the prosecution appealed the judge's decision, and thankfully, in 1966, the Supreme Court reinstated the charges against the others and said that the law applied to both law enforcement officials and civilians. So the following month, another federal grand jury indicted the men again, and finally a trial started in October of that year, and it would take place in Judge Cox's courtroom. Now, the thing you should know about Judge Cox is that he had been known as what some would call a segregationist, and he had also been the subject of a failed impeachment attempt after he described African-American witness or witnesses in a very horrible way. And I'm not going to repeat it, but you can Google it. But anyway, on the first day of the trial, the defense asked a witness if Schwerner was part of a plot to sexually assault white women in the summer of 1964. And Cox said that question was improper and, quote, I'm not going to allow a farce to be made of this trial, end quote. Now, during the trial, confessions from Horace Doyle Barnett and James Jordan were read, and they described what happened on the night of June 21, 1964. After leaving Schwerner, Goodman, and Cheney at the jail, Deputy Price contacted one of the local leaders of the Klan. His name was Edgar Ray Killen. Killen was also a Baptist minister. He directed the Klan members to gather in Philadelphia, and that's Philadelphia, Mississippi, not the Pittsburgh one. But anyway, um, or the Pennsylvania one, sorry. <laughs> My mind just went elsewhere. But anyway, as the two cars filled with members of the Klan headed that way, Price released the three young men from jail and told them to go back to Meridian. Well, at that point, he joined the clan in pursuit of that core station wagon that the three young men were, were in. So it's basically he just kind of released three young men to the wolves that were hunting for him, and then he joined the wolves. Now, the Klansmen caught up with the three civil rights workers on Highway 19 and forced them into their own cars and drove all three of the vehicle, vehicles out to Rock Cut Road. Now, once they were there, James Jordan shot Cheney, and Wayne Roberts shot Goodman and Schwerner. Then they loaded the three men's bodies into the core vehicle and drove them to the old Jolly Farm, where they used a bulldozer to bury the bodies in an earthen dam. Now, at the end of the trial, the jury found Price, Barnett, Roberts, James Aldridge, Billy Wayne Posey, James Snowden, and Samuel Bowers guilty. Now, Samuel Bowers was actually the imperial wizard of Mississippi's White Knights of the KKK. Now, all of those seven were found guilty, like I said, but in three of the cases, the jury failed to reach a verdict, and get this, y'all, one of the jurors refused to convict a minister, so Killen walked free. Now, ain't that some shit? But here's a newsflash. Preachers are human, and they are not above the law. Now, all of the men 
that were found guilty exhausted all of their appeals, and in 1970, they entered prison. But none would serve more than six years in prison, despite being sentenced three to ten years. There's just so much BS in this entire case. But let's fast forward a little bit to 1999, and Mississippi Attorney General Michael Moore announced that the state would reopen the case. At Moore's request, the FBI turned over more than 40,000 pages that were related to the initial investigation. Now, it took six years, but in January of 2005, a grand jury charged Edgar Ray Killen with murder. Now, he did have some co-conspirators in the case, but the grand jury just couldn't find sufficient evidence to indict them. Now, at the end of his trial, he was found guilty of the lesser charge of manslaughter, 41 years to the day of the murders, and he was sentenced to 60 years in prison. Now, while he was in prison, one of his cellmates was an African-American preacher from California named James Hart Stern, and the two men became very close friends, and Killen confided to Stern about his views on races, and he even confessed other crimes to him. Now, Stern was in prison for wire fraud, and I figured you might want to know why he was there. But anyway, not only did he confide that information to Stern, but Killen also signed over his land in Mississippi to him and made him power of attorney. Now, Stern also released a book detailing their friendship in 2017. And if you want to check it out, that book's title is Killing the KKK. Killen is spelled like his last name. It's K-I-L-L-E-N. Now, Stern used his power of attorney to dissolve the branch of the KKK that Killen was associated with in 2016. Now, Killen passed away six days before his 93rd birthday on January the 11th, 2018 at the Mississippi State Penitentiary. Now, how horribly wretched is it that one jury or one juror wouldn't have convicted him earlier because he was a preacher? And forget the fact that he was an air quote, man of God. Now, this man was an organizer with one of the biggest hate organizations in the world. And then we have the fact that he became pretty much best friends with an African-American cellmate who was also a preacher. I mean, thank goodness in the end, it seems like he had a bit of a change of heart. And I stress seemed because... I'm sorry I still don't trust him, and I'm not sorry for saying that. But anyway, y'all, that's all I have for tonight's episode. Now, I did mention at the beginning that I have some very exciting news. I finally have the date for my surgery, and it's going to be on August 28th. So I still got about seven weeks, a little less than seven weeks maybe. Um, Now, I start my next nutrition classes on January or July, not January, geez, 26th of July, just in a couple weeks. So I'm looking forward to the next step. But anyway, y'all, that's it for tonight. Be sure to check out the links in the episode description, and y'all have a great night. Listen, I'm not going to tell you about a product unless it's something I love, and I use it on a daily basis. And what I'm about to tell you about is one of those. Over the years, I've packed on quite a few pounds from having babies, stress, eating for comfort, and now, as a 51-year-old woman, hormones are not on my side at all. I had been seeing people on social media talking about Obvi. They were talking about how much weight they've lost and how they feel so much better. 
They had nothing but good things to say about it. Of course, I was skeptical, but you know what? I gave in and I gave it a try. And boy, am I glad that I did. Over the past five weeks since I started using it, I've lost 22 pounds. I haven't tried every single product that they have, but I have to say my favorite is the Collagenic Burn. Two capsules at breakfast, another two at lunch, and I have energy for the entire day. And it's not that jittery energy and there's no crash when it's done doing its magic. And you know, you experience that with a lot of products out there. Plus, my hair and nails are growing like crazy and my achy joints feel better each day. Your results may not be exactly the same as mine, but I encourage you to give it a try. Now, all you have to do is click the link in the episode description for my Avi, and then you can save 15% by using the promo code MYSTERYM.